Have you ever seen those inane charts about how much money you should save by a certain age? You know, the ones that show that uh, by the time you're 30, you should have this amount. By 40, it should be a lot more. And by 50, it should be this huge sum of money. And all that does is either make somebody feel incredibly smug, maybe without reason, or have heart palpitations if they're way behind. Well, let's talk student loan debt. Some new numbers out about how much people owe in student loan debt at 30, 40, 50. But these are real numbers, and man, some of these are super ugly. We're talking to the creator of the student loan documentary, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, Adam Carroll, on today's Money with Friends podcast. Welcome back to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement in Texarkana, Texas, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai. My name is Adam Carroll, as Joe mentioned, the founder creator of the Broke, Busted and Disgusted documentary, originally aired on CNBC. We're talking student debt today, Joe, I'm excited. This is the podcast where we're gonna hopefully help people keep some money in their pocket. Not only will we start off by reading a piece like some podcasts, we'll dive into how it affects your wallet and what you can do to invest, save or pay down debt, in this case, student loan debt more effectively and usually in less than 20 minutes. We had so much fun yesterday, we went a little over that. Let's see how today ends up, although I'm not really worried about the time. You know what I was told when I first became a podcaster? A guy who's in the Podcasting Hall of Fame. You may know him, Adam. His name's Dave Jackson. I do know Dave Jackson. Dave Jackson, fantastic podcaster, uh, teaches people how to podcast, said, Joe, there's no such thing as too long. There's only too boring. <laughs> and so yesterday, yesterday, I think uh, we had a ton of fun. So I'm glad you uh, didn't run away, that you're back we, here. We did. We always have fun. Of course, you know what? We lure you back by talking student loan debt. And and that's like chocolate to Mr. Carroll. He's like, oh yeah, I can talk student loan debt. Because uh, how how did that, making that documentary, by the way, to get into this topic, how did that change your life, just just doing that? Well, you know, it, it started because I was touring college campuses. Um, you know, I, I had um, I'd been on 750 different college campuses all across the country. And I was hearing stories from students telling me how much their average debt load was. Many of them, case in point, had no idea. They didn't know. I mean, I would ask them, how much will you have when you graduate? They're like, no idea. So that, that in itself was a challenge for me. And then when people started telling me 60, 80, 100, 120, I mean, I met a young guy who had $120,000 for a bachelor's degree at a private school in the Northeast, uh, in the northeast part of the country. And I was like, that's, that should be illegal to do, to give you that much debt as an 18 to 23 year old to take out. And I wanted to put together stories, hero stories and horror stories and talk to a friend of mine about it. And he said, you know, that would make a killer documentary. And I said, you're right, but I don't know the first thing about making a documentary. And he goes, yeah, me neither. Let's do it. So we, we uh, crowdfunded, a cam- did a crowdfunding campaign. We raised $67,000 in 45 days. Which seemed like more than enough. Way more than enough. Yes. Um, and then you start paying for music royalties. Right. And you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> this is not enough. Matter of fact, the total sidebar. But when I watch a movie today and they play like, you know, some Peter Cetera song or some song from the 90s or, or early 2000s, I'm like, do you know how much money they paid to have that music in this movie? This must be a big budget movie to Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera. Yeah. He, it, he's it, making some serious coin in, in, in retirement. You've got 22 year olds looking up Peter Cetera right now. That's right. As we, as we talk. So 
what did it change? It changed a lot for me because I got to tell the story of a number of people who, uh, you know, were weighted under the mountain of debt that they had. And um, the, sh- the movie was aired on CNBC. So to watch it uh, be premiered after Shark Tank, that was pretty surreal. And now, uh, you know, we're getting ready to launch it on YouTube. So it's open and available for all. That's, and that'll, that'll happen here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, so that's coming up now. Yep. That's, that's cool. Maybe as a hooray 2020s over a special celebration. Yeah. It's my gift to the world for 2021, <laughs> 2020 being gone and then 2021 being here. Here's my film. Just, just for, just for surviving it. Well, no. we're going to jump into student loans right now. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick this thing off. This is Trey from truetray.com. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right. Uh, before we get to the piece, by the way, we hang out with friends live making the show. If you want to hang out with us, it's uh, youtube.com forward slash money with friends. Matt's hanging out with us and said, you're the Willy Wonka of student loan debt. <laughs> Which sure I, mean. I like it. Well, well, I mean, I, the kids are Oompa Loompas. I'll have to tell them. Well, I was going to say, though, that also assumes that you're handing out student loan debt, right? That is true. Yes, which pro- is totally true. Probably pro- close, but uh, but but not quite. Uh, t- uh, today's piece uh, comes to us like yesterday's did from CNBC. Uh, this is uh, Megan DiMatteo who wrote this. Here's the average student loan debt by age, and let's just cut right to the chase. Collectively, she writes, U.S. student loan borrowers owe a total of $1.7 trillion, with a T, in student debt, according to the Federal Reserve data. Of all borrowers, consumers in their mid-30s had the highest balances in 2019, with payments paused for most of 2020. That's probably still true. Uh, over half Americans uh, go into debt to pay for college. Average tuition prices starting around 22000 Of course, that climbs even higher for private schools and graduate degrees. But if we take a look at this by age, 24 and younger, uh, $115 billion outstanding, 25 to 34, $50 billion, $500 billion, excuse me, $601 billion for 35 to 49. That's the biggest group. But 50 to 61, Adam, still has $262 billion and 62 and older. And even though this isn't the biggest number, there still is a B at the end of this, $86 billion in student loan debt for people over 62. Crazy. It's crazy. I, I met a number of people in my tour with BBD, with Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, the documentary. Um, one woman in particular, she stood up in the back of a screening and she said, I'm in default, I'm in denial, and I'll never pay these. And I said, uh, help me understand what you mean. And she said, I stopped making my student loan payments years ago. They can come after me all they want. I'm never going to pay them. Um, it's ruined her credit score. Just going to default on purpose, purposeful it's- default. Purposefully defaulted. She was in her 60s. She said, my um, my two kids are kind of in the same boat. I told them to borrow as much as they could. And I mean, so some of this is a perpetuation and some of it we have to stop in the high school, in my opinion. You know, we got to have educators. And, and thankfully, there are a lot of places out there that are doing this well. Uh, Next Gen Personal Finance, NGPF.com is a great, or .org, um, is a great site. They're offering financial literacy tools to high school educators and the, the documentary being one of them. Um, but they're trying to get educators to talk to students about not getting into so much debt 
at such an such an early age. I wonder. It's it's funny. Uh, we've been joking between uh, recordings of this show live that uh, Mom has a bunch of people working on the house today, and I'm personally being fumigated while we while we record this. But but you look at the trades now and how difficult it is to get people out. And you look at the escalating cost of people in building trades, as an example, in construction, in yeah. plumbing, in in electrical work. Like a lot of these, a lot of these jobs. I mean, I wonder when the rubber band kind of starts to go the other way, Adam. When there's somebody in high school who wakes up and goes, "I could be a bajillionaire." doing this thing that, that other people could be doing if there wasn't so much pressure to, to look yeah. the other way. There was an interesting case in point, an interesting conversation I had with the Iowa sheet metal workers union who called me in the middle of the crowdfunding campaign and said, we'd like to be an associate producer on the film. And I was kind of like, uh, okay, why? What, I mean, what's the, What's the angle? And they said, just that we go into high schools every day trying to talk about our program and we'll get met with resistance at the, the main administrative office. And they'll say, well, uh, you know, we'll find all of our kids who aren't college material and send them your way. And he said, I, we don't want derelicts. We don't want juvenile delinquents. We want people who don't necessarily see themselves in a traditional four-year school or two-year school environment, but instead want to get hands-on learning. And, and I said, tell yeah, me we, that. We still want the smartest people we can get. Totally. I mean, it's math. It's science. They, they sure. have to do. Running um, a business. Running a business. He said, here's the other advantage is that they'll come out making great money as an apprentice. And, and by the time they're a journeyman, they're making fantastic money. And three or four years later, in many cases, the owner of the company is aging out and needing someone to buy the business. So there, there are cases even in our area here where 28 to 32 year olds are buying two decade, three decade old uh, plumbing and heating businesses and uh, or, or plumbing, uh, plumbing businesses and HVAC type businesses. And they're buying them from the owners that just aged out. They didn't have anybody on their bench to buy it until they brought wow. an apprentice. Wow. So. And, and imagine too, the opportunity there. I mean, I, I would think this is horrible, but I would think there's a lot of people out there who've run a family business for a long time. Don't have anybody to sell it to. Don't. And once again, this is horrible, but they don't even know how to price their business. So you could get a business that based on cash flow and existing customers takes care of itself. Right. Right. Yeah. The, yeah, um, sure. And I don't mean to prey on people, but I do think that if I'm selling a business, I should educate myself just like I should if I'm if I'm going out to buy a business. This brings something up that that I just thought of while I was I was listening to you, Adam. Which is, so my son went to a uh, Catholic all boys school in eighth grade, and. I remember not only was it one of the first questions that parents asked, but it was also the thing that they emphasized was the number of kids who graduated from this private school who went to, who went to college, right? Like the college rate. So, so, okay. For, for, for a school and, and, and my son had some learning issues. So there was a perfect place for him. But the next year when we moved to Texarkana and went to public school, I didn't expect to get the same thing but I did. 
I did. It was when we were in the auditorium, the first question parents were asking was, was how many kids from this public school go to college? And then the, uh, and the administration was very proud of the fact that, Hey, we've got, this is our college rate. It's our college rate. And so I'm thinking even in the public schools today, we're looking at this as a one track mind. It's beginning to shift a little bit, but my sister is a first grade teacher in California and her, uh, her partner is an administrator in the system. And when I asked them both, what, what is the purpose of the school system? They go, we're preparing these kids for college. So like a knee jerk reaction. That's it. That's it. So an interesting uh, statistic that we should be calculating is okay, how many kids go to college? How many kids go to college for free? And what's the average debt load of students that graduate from this high school and go on to college four years out or six years out? And I'm not saying that the debt metric is the one that that we have to stick with or that it determines if this is successful or not. However, the number of young people that are carrying somewhat seemingly insurmountable amounts of debt, I think is illustrated by the number of 60-year-olds that are still carrying debt in the CNBC article. Because what I'm finding is that, you know, a student will say, well, I'm going to get on this graduated repayment plan or this income contingent plan, but they never really understand that, yes, you have a $180 payment on your $50,000 in student loans, but it means that the principal amount is growing year over year over year. So every time you send a $180 payment, it's still growing, light it on fire because it's not doing anything technically. And it's growing on the other side, which means you're going to pay even more down the road. To me, that's the biggest criminality in all this is that young people don't have a true sense of what $50,000 borrowed actually is. Like, what is the context of $550 a month every month for 10 years to an 18-year-old who's just like, I got to go to college. I got to. We prefer not to talk uh, politics on on this show, but obviously this has become a political hot button, Adam. So I think we have to go there for at least a second. There are obviously some things on the table with the new administration about canceling some of the debt. Do you think canceling student loan debt's the answer? Listen, I think the the whole idea of let's cancel all student loan debt is farcical. Like there is, there is no way that's, that is an imaginary thing that people put out as like, oh, this would, wouldn't this be awesome? The, our government makes far too much money on student loan interest to ever consider canceling student loan debt. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never heard it put that way. You're saying it's a, it, it brings home the bacon. So we can't do it. It is, it is tens of billions of dollars in interest that the, the, the loans that are driven out of the department of education Um, what those make the federal government, it is far too lucrative. So even Joe Biden's plan of let's, let's forgive $10,000 for some people that may be meaningful, but for most of them, even if you had $50,000 in student loans and you forgive 10 grand, your graduated repayment plan still doesn't touch the interest that that amount is accumulating. So you know, more or less, it's kind of like, oh, sure. It's like your granddad giving you 10 bucks and, and you being really excited about it, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, so I, I think there are more optics in those promises, if you will, those, those uh, uh, initiatives than there is actual teeth. None of that's, I don't think that will ever happen. I also, I also get worried. I just get worried from a, you know, take away the, the, the external stuff from an internal place. 
I get worried that, and I had this discussion last week with, uh, with a friend of mine talking about how whenever I read uh, the news and I'm dealing with external factors and all of these, you know, people that have listened to the show for a long time know how much I like uh, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But so I'm going to use a term from that pot three stuff, right? People, stuff I can't control and I can't influence, which largely would be the government doing something about this. Whenever I think about pot three stuff, I find myself over the course of an hour or two hours, I get really depressed. I mean, I seriously get really depressed. Um, And I think that it's feeding me and it really doesn't. The second I turn my brain back to stuff that I can control and stuff that I can influence, I'm back in my happy place. I'm immediately yeah. back. And I feel like when somebody, and we've had people, we've had people write to us at Stacking Benjamin saying, Hey, should I stop paying my student loans? Because the government's going to cancel this debt. I'm like, Oh, hell no, right. no, 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 no. You can't do it. So if that's not the answer, what is the answer? Well, I think a couple of things here that I want to bring up really important. I'm just well, laughing anyway. because I'm thinking when I ask you, what's the answer to this whole student <laughs> loan problem has been around forever. There's no pressure there, Adam. And Adam's like, okay, hold my beer. Uh, I'm yeah. going to tell you stuff. the money tree. And see what it here. Hang on a second. Um, here's two things I want to bring up. Number one, don't avoid them. Don't avoid them. It's the worst possible thing you can do. So anyone who says, I'm on forbearance, I'm on deferment, I'm never going to pay it. This woman that I met who said I'm in default and denial, it is the worst weed you could ever have in your yard. You know what I mean? This is like creeping Charlie popping up and you're like, nah, whatever. And within a year, it's taken over the entire yard. That's how student loan debt, when we don't pay it, that's what will happen. It'll grow in, in volumes because of fees and penalties and interest and all of that. So we definitely need to go after that first and foremost. Secondly, I think that if you said, I am going to go at my student loan debt with definiteness of purpose, like I I am going to set a date, I'm going to have it paid off by this date, and I'm going to figure out how to get it knocked out. Now that may be different if you have $300,000, but by and large, there are ways to do it still. So for the people who are like, I just don't know what to do. What is, what is the hobby that you could take on that you could turn $50 into $100 every weekend? And specifically, I'm thinking, go garage sailing, go shopping on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist and flip some of these things and make a little extra money that's always going to your student loans. If you have to bar back or wait tables or whatever to make extra payments, make extra payments. But I maintain that this CNBC article, what it illustrates is that as a society, we've just decided we're okay with having student loan payments for a really long time. And I maintain that if it took you four years to acquire it, it shouldn't take you 20 to retire it. And right now, the average length of time that it takes for people to pay these off is between 18 and a half and 21 years, which to me is just asinine because for every $1 you borrow, you pay back two. In just a moment, Adam and I are going to have our takeaways from today's uh, discussion on student loan debt. But first, what's our takeaway here? My takeaway on this article, number one, I'm a little concerned. I'm concerned for those that are above 40 and still have student loan debt. Because what that means is you've carried it for 18 years now. And I think there was a a pretty good chunk of folks in that category that were uh, taking on parent plus loans for their children. So I I would say to those folks... If you are 
if you are beyond 10 years out of college and you still have student loan debt and you do not have children yet, make it a point to get them knocked out. There's no sense in carrying it. Um, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. Just get rid of them. Kick Sally Mae out of the house once and for all. Let's be done. Okay. If you are a parent and you are thinking about taking on student loan debt for your children, make perfectly clear the situation with your kids, right? Make perfectly clear what that situation is. No, they need to know how much you've signed on the line for. They need to know what they're on the hook for. They need to know what those payments look like. Because I've talked to far too many parents who put their name on a parent plus loan, intending their children to make the payments and their payments, their, their kids were like, well, it's not my deal. That's yours. You took out that loan. And then yeah. they're stuck in their fifties and sixties. Or the parent feels the guilty cost. later because the kid is in a starting job, doesn't have a lot of money and says, you know what? I'll just make this payment for a little while. Next thing you know, they own it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so just be aware, have this, have this in the forefront. This is a big, big challenge. There's a reason it's called a student loan debt crisis. So keep the crisis out of your, your house. And I, Peter, Peter made a great comment here. Yeah, Pete, Peter says, Adam, thanks for joining. He says, we're indebted to you, sir. Peter's on fire. Peter's carrying the show right now. Um, I can't read the MetPro ad, but Peter can bring it home for me. It's all, it's all about the big finish, Peter. Nice job. Uh, my, you know, you know, my takeaway, Adam, is that w whenever I, I see something that's as bad as the student loan crisis is, I think, what's the opportunity here? And we did uh, a couple stories the last few weeks where employers are really searching for ways to help out their employees. Employers are looking for ways to help out their employees and to hold on to employees. I mean, if you've got somebody who helped you this last year, they probably are people that went beyond the call of duty, did some great stuff. I mean, everybody's yeah. fighting all these 2020 demons right now getting on board with one of these companies that will allow you to defer your matching matching program to pay student loans instead of going to retirement maybe an idea or helping yeah. people pay their student loans giving people when they come work for you some sort of a vesting schedule that you'll help them pay off their student loans over time this is a great right frankly, very cheap way. When you look at the cost of losing somebody and hiring a new one, this is a great way to hold on to talent. Um, so many studies show that people, companies, when they lose a good employee, hiring somebody, training them, bringing them up to speed costs you so much time and so much money. It's yeah. paying part of their student loans is, is a much cheaper way to do it. And also on the other side, I think of the opportunity. If I took student loans, I remember a, a young guest we had on our show a few years ago that every time she made a student loan payment, she made the student loan payment with gratitude based on something that she learned that that was paying for. And she continually, it helped her make bigger and bigger payments, which she knew she needed to Adam. But she also said, you know what, this was for my freshman English class that made it so I could do X, Y, Z thing and send it in. So every time in the memo line, she always had this little grad, this little thing that she learned. Um, and, and at the end, her last payment, it was something like, I learned that I really didn't want that much in student loans, <laughs> which I think is the big thing. If you can avoid it, f f find a strategy to do it. Half of mine would have said Thursday nights at Shags. <laughs> <laughs> Brain cells still pay an interest on that one. Yeah, man. I mean, seriously, like fishbowl drinks at Jokers. That would have been a, that would have been one of my 
my gratitude lines. Speaking of coaching, my friend, you help people build a bigger life. How do they find uh, out more about that? Yeah. If you want to uh, listen to some of the interviews I do on the Build a Bigger Life podcast, uh, I am out wherever you listen to podcasts at buildabiggerlife.com. Uh, and the Build a Bigger Life podcasts uh, are out there on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and everywhere else. Um, I do work with individuals on occasion. And uh, we're actually launching a group coaching program in 2021. What I have found is that people are really missing connection in the midst of 2020. And what we want to do is bring together a whole group of high achievers, people who are driven, people who want 2021 to be their best year. And uh, it's going to be a multi-month process. But at the end of that time period, we're going to have the option of joining at a retreat, which will be at a really cool location somewhere in the U.S., likely Sedona. And uh, because I love Sedona. And um, so pay attention to that. There will be lots of announcements on the podcast about that whole program. Awesome. And that's Build a Bigger Life. I'm listening to it on Spotify. You can hear it wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Adam, thanks for sharing your wisdom and your time with us again, my friend. I really appreciate it. Joe, it's always a pleasure. I hope the uh, fumes don't overtake you in the next couple of minutes. Not either, but I got to (laughs) go. Show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Money Friends Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I am Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam. Nailed it. Done.